Welcome to the Felicity Fueled Podcast, here to deliver you the highest quality fuel for living your best life. If you like it, feel free to subscribe and thank you again for your support. Please note that any information or advice on this podcast from the host or guests should be used at your own risk. The Felicity Fueled Podcast assumes no responsibility for the decisions of the listeners. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. for joining today's podcast. I'm pretty excited about today because we had a great conversation with drummer Chris Maggio. For people that aren't familiar with him, he recently had the opportunity to play with High on Fire, and he's also been a part of Mutoid Man, Trap Them, Coliseum, and Sleigh Bells. He's overall awesome human being, was really easy to talk to. We hung out at the house for a while, played some drums, and we had a great time, and it was a great conversation, more so than you know an interview. It was really laid back and fun, and I think anyone who's a fan of his or enjoys music will appreciate this podcast. I'm here with uh, Mikey Boy over here, and what do you have to say about this? Yeah, it was really fun. Uh, I really enjoyed the conversation. I've been a fan of Chris's for a while, and it was cool to meet him and hear him talk about his entire career and all the ups and downs that have followed him. Yeah, so I think you guys will enjoy it too. Also, I just wanted to apologize. The There's a little bit of some feedback. Chris was actually moving his feet a little bit. I think it's, it's kind of a drummer thing. Uh, almost like he was playing the double bass sometimes when he was talking. So if you hear a slight thud sometimes throughout the conversation it's because he was kind of moving his feet so I apologize about that if it's somewhat distracting and also uh Felly Jones our puppy was being a little bit of a attention drama queen during the podcast and kept trying to get our attention and made a little bit of noise so if you hear some random noise that's mainly it okay so we'll touch base in a little bit until then Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. Today I am happy to tell you I have Chris Maggio here to hang out and talk with us. He's the drummer for Trap Dem, Coliseum, Sleigh Bells, and recently High on Fire and Mutoid Man. So thank you, Chris. <laughs> well, still, I mean, yeah. regardless, however you want to see it. But <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for hanging out. How uh, how's it going out here in LA? Great. It's cool. Uh, well, I'm just getting started, so I'm like I'm still kind of figuring it out, you know? I don't know what anything is. <laughs> My buddy's like, go do this, go do that. Go borrow that car your friend said you could have. Whatever. Okay, so like Dragon Force, real quick, Dragon Force is power. Okay. Like, like <laughs> yeah. Rainbow, Rainbow. Yeah. No, Rainbow's not in there. I said on Wikipedia, I saw like Brian that, James Dio, yeah. But Power, I guess Pantera falls under it as according yeah, to this. I think they just had a record named Power Metal, right? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say, like, um, I always thought that, this is weird, I thought that Dragon Force was, like, adventure metal. Because <laughs> Halloween's under power metal, but I always yeah. thought of that as adventure metal, because it was, like, these long, dramatic, like, Keeper of the Seven Keys is, like, this epic, long song with, like, five <laughs> movements to it, and it's yeah. a little Keeper of the Seven Keys, like, uh, like D&D metal. I think, exactly. That's why I was called adventure metal. I didn't know. We I were think listening power to metal, Saxon like, recently in the car. It straddles the line of hair metal and progressive metal. Yeah, yeah. Like it's yeah. exactly. Right yeah. there. Totally, no, that's perfect. Yeah. That's a perfect, because it's like there was still hair. 
But yeah, it was definitely like more creative songs. It wasn't as simple as a lot of still like double bass drums. That's weird that Pantera's in there. Yeah. So how's it going in LA? I can't complain. Let me answer the question properly. I got I took a five a.m. flight. I couldn't get a lift to pick me up in Louisville. Like it just was like a frozen screen. So I was like running out of time. So I just threw shit in a bag and I drove my car and parked it somewhere and ran and went inside and got on a plane. Um, there weren't a lot of people on the plane, and I connected in Detroit, and I got on the next plane, and everybody was high, like stone as fuck, and the whole plane smelled <laughs> like weed, and and I was like awake gambling, like online, like stock option gambling, and just like 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 sitting with one eye open and looking at my phone with the free internet and like watching certain stocks and being like buy now, sell now, like I would fall asleep, and I totally had the best flight because I got off and I was like I somehow just got, like, gambled and won, like, $700 with like, one eye open, like, having no clue what I was doing. Wow. Um, so it made for a fun flight. And then my buddy, uh, Corey, picked me up. He rented a Jeep, and my other buddy had recently bought a 4x4, and we drove south and went to Salvation Mountain and East Jesus and Salton Sea, and then went to Yuma, and we went, like, off-roading, and then we kind of wrecked the rental on accident. Like, the window exploded, and the tire went flat, and so our buddy was like, I gotta get the fuck out of here and get home. I'm not, I'm not feeling it. This rental's gonna explode. And then me and my buddy, like, stayed and, like, got lost over overlanding in the middle of Arizona, in the desert somewhere. Like, we had no idea what we were doing, and, like, we tried to cut a line, and we were, like, trying to drive over a mountain, and it wouldn't work, so we'd, like, turn around and go back, and... <laughs> I was just falling apart. I was so tired at that point. And my, my buddy was just like, I got this. I'm just fine. He like, somehow was able to see our tracks back. And he was like, I got this. That's our tire tracks. And I was like, all right, whatever. Man. <laughs> and he figured it out. We got out. We got a hotel. Woke up the next day. Went to Oregon Pipe. Hung out with some cigarros and saw the, the border wall. That's a total joke. It doesn't really exist. It's like 300 feet of wall and then it ends. Then uh, we got back here. And... Yeah, I guess I've just been kind of having a vacation because we went jet skiing, as I was telling you, and I'd never gone jet skiing. Um, saw my buddy Derek today and got a tattoo, and that was awesome. And then met up with you. Wow. Yeah. That was did a dream. Some, yeah. I did some drumming. Did a lot within yeah. the time span you got yeah. here. Yeah. How, uh, well, that kind of brings me out of curiosity. With After getting off tour and then the whole COVID thing happened, what was adjusting like for you? Um, well, we got done with that tour, and I kind of told myself I wouldn't do anything, like, wouldn't worry about much for, like, a month. Yeah, I remember you like, saying. Then it turned into two months, and then the COVID thing happened, and then I started to worry about things, because I was like, I had, like, a bunch of tours this year, everything was booked, and then everything was unbooked. So, I got a little bit stressed out, like, what am I going to do? Uh, well, and, I don't know. And then I just stopped worrying about that and got on a plane and came out here. It's <laughs> like there's no nothing's happening in Louisville. I mean, people are going to their regular jobs, and my regular job is the tour, and that's not happening. So uh, I don't know why. I don't know why I chose here. I guess my buddy was just like, "Get out here! I just bought you a ticket. Get on a plane. Figure it out." And I was like, "All right, I guess that's what I'm doing." Yeah. Kind of got to that point where I was like, I can't make decisions for myself anymore right now. Someone get me out of here. <laughs> and my dude was just like, yeah, get out of here. 
Yeah, I think it's good, though, to get out of that space. I mean, I've been really tempted to want to travel a lot this past couple months. And, right. I mean, obviously, getting mixed feedback from people. I mean, I want to go visit my family on the East Coast, but that's not going to happen for a little bit. But, well, yeah. It's, it's New York, right? Yeah. Yeah, you can't do that. But getting out of that static space is important. I feel like you're you have that hustle on you. You're versatile. You're gonna make the most of the time off. Yeah. If nothing else, I mean, if I'm not gonna figure out like an income aside from music, I can at least live my life. Yeah. You know, go like go live. I mean, I was literally just hanging out at my house, and I would like go for like a ten mile run, and I wouldn't even know. I would like walk and then start running, and it was like some Forrest Gump shit. And I'd look down and I'd get home and be like. 22,000 steps. That's yeah. long. That was out for a long time. That was a lot. That's more than I should be doing. That's not what I want to be doing. But that's just where it got to. I was just like, this is what I do. I just walk. I walk around. Yeah, I could relate. And I run. I run and walk. Yeah, I mean, I think it sucks, everything, the whole situation. I mean, by the way, if you hear, uh, Mike and Steven are also in, in the room in the conversation, so... If you hear some chuckles and hi, hi Stephen. Hey, <laughs> how you doing? Um, hey, room. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I feel a little. I don't want to say harsh saying this, but I'm just. You just got to make the most of it. I mean, it sucks for everyone. I mean, what are you gonna do? Like, you just kind of. You can't just dwell and be depressed because of the whole thing. Like, you yeah. just got to make the most of the time. Be efficient. I'm trying to just spend time doing things that I normally didn't really want to spend the time doing. Yeah. Now's the time. I mean, yeah. learn different sides of yourself, but. Yeah, that's my only fail. That was the thing I should have been doing, and I didn't. I kind of like ran from. I was like, "Fuck this! I just want to not be around here." Yeah. Well, one way ticket. I got a one way. T- wow. Yeah, my buddy got me a ticket. And he's like, "When do you want to go home?" I was like, "I don't care about anything. Just, just <laughs> get me a one way ticket." And he's like, "Even better." Yeah. He's a, he's like a brother. Like he's and he's also like, kind of, insane in an awesome way where he's just like. Mm. One way ticket. <laughs> I was like, I'll have cash with me to pay you back. He's like, I don't even care. Just get out here, figure it out. I'm like, all right. Uh, but yeah, that's like one thing that I I wasn't really. Well, I used the time. Like, well, I, let me back up. I did use the time. I just it got old. Like, did a lot of recording. Like a lot of those uh, those bedroom covers for two minutes to late night. I did um, reeling in the ears cover with some people, and then the Guns N' Roses Rocket Queen cover that just came out, and that was me and some of the Sleigh Bells and Poison the Well people, and then, and then Jordan, who puts the thing, puts the whole thing together, hit me up, and Music Cares uh, are doing like a fundraiser, and he was like, hey, I just got a last minute thing, we need to do some Van Halen songs, do you have time? And he's like, we only have like a couple of days, and I was like, all right, whatever, what are we doing? And he's like, sent me four tracks, Actually, like, quickly figured out over the phone. He's like, can you just go learn the drum parts and record them and send them to me? And I was like, that's going to be weird. Um, I, it'll take me longer without any kind of guide. And so he was like, all right, we're doing Jamie's Crying, uh, I'm on Fire, Panama, and uh, Ain't Talking About Love. And I was like, just give me, like, the best scratch guitars that you can. And so he, like, quickly threw it together, and, like, within, like, two or three hours, he had... Maybe a little longer. He sent me it, and I gave him drums and was, and whatever. So it's like basically an online concert, the Slay at Home Fest or whatever. I don't yeah. know if you guys saw that. So Panama is that. So I did like a few regular, like a few non-Van Halen covers with some people, and then 
last minute did four Van Halen covers and um, what else? That was like the main thing. I was trying to practice a lot, uh, high on fire, and I, and I, you know, we all got together and tried doing some Zoom practices. Uh, I don't know what happened there. We we did a few and then we stopped doing them. And then, um, but that was it, you know. I think the thing that sent me packing was just like, I'm not going to figure anything out in Louisville. I need to get out. That yeah. Seems like a head change. I don't think that's a bad thing. I, I think it's good you did that. Yeah. That's sometimes staying in the same static environment is not really going to inspire you to get to another place. Yeah. Then I just kind of, when I, although when I got here, I was like, what am I going to figure out here? This is more on lockdown than Louisville. Yeah. Well, yeah, California has been... <laughs> yeah. But I kind of also was like, there's a lot more people to meet, and whatever, you know. Uh, I, it's kind of like, you know, just let loose a little bit. As, let, as letting loose as I... I mean, I go to bed at fucking like 10 o'clock at night, and I don't really let that loose, but <laughs> still, you know, just being somewhere else and just doing different stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, I anyway, I agree with you, though. Like, You, you have to like figure out what you're going to do or like use the time to like be maybe introspective or whatever. Yeah. I mean, even when we're bored sometimes, I'm just like, Hey, why don't we just take a drive, go somewhere we haven't been, yeah. you know, spend the day, explore, <laughs> just, just be inspired by something new. I mean, I don't know, just adapting, but anyway, Trying I, to. yeah. I mean, just, so let's go back in time. Of course, I mean, anyone that knows who you are, and they're going to listen to this. They're going to want to know, like, how did you, How'd you get into drumming? Just what's your story? How did you get into it? How are you where you are now? Uh, boy. I know that's kind of well, a broad question. No, no, it's fine. I mean, I got my first drum set when I was like 16. I think 15. But I always wanted a drum set. Like, I would annoy my mother. Because my father played drums. He passed away when I was, like, real little. And his drum set, like, disappeared. Like, it wasn't there. And I always, like, wanted to play drums. Hmm. But, you know, my mom was like, you know, you gotta, like, take lessons and all this stuff. Like, one to, like, practice on a pad. Like, she didn't know. She was just listening to what people told her. Like, yeah, get him a practice pad or this or that. And it's like, no fucking kid wants a practice pad or a snare drum. Unless that's what that kid wants. Most kids just want to smash on stuff and scream and yell and make a lot of noise. And that's what I wanted to do. Um, so she had my drum set around, like, 15 years old, maybe? Yeah, that's um, my age, too, I think. Something like that. And then, uh, I was already kind of like a train wreck of a human being by then. But I quickly, like, got good enough and, like, joined a band with some friends and did that for a little bit. And I had, like, barely, but I'd been playing for, like, what seemed like weeks and somehow was, like, decent enough to kind of keep it together. Um... But I was also a fuck-up, so I just, like, constantly get kicked out of bands and shit. You know, like, not out on, like, a bottle of codeine, like, while playing or some stupid shit like that. <laughs> and then, um, let's see, like, band one, band two, band three. Yeah, you know what? It was kind of that kind of deal. Like, it just kind of took off a little bit, you know, just playing in, like, local bands and whatever. Started gigging around in New York, like, playing in, like, bar bands. Um, there were weird bar bands that would have, like... 250 song set lists and it was all weird shit like the Sonics or like it'd be anything from like the Sonics to uh, Winona Harris to like an old Reagan youth song it was like the weirdest set list like old old hardcore and punk mixed with like John Blues and doo-wop 
and swing stuff and um, rockabilly and then like early like frat rock stuff like the whale like the fabulous whalers or the sonics <laughs> it was super wild it was and I had no fucking clue what I was doing oh and then a lot of like surf instrumentals nice. shit like that uh, did you did you, at that point what you were you still in high school that was probably like right after I graduated high school Okay. I think I was maybe 18 at that point. Did you, at that point, feel, okay, this is my future, this is what I want to do, or did you kind of have other aspirations in your head, or were you were just like, no, I'm going to be a drummer, I'm going to make this work? You know, I, uh, no, I think when I was like 16, it was basically, the, like, the bands like The Descendants and Black Flag were like, stuff I kind of like, was in love with, I grew up listening to, you know? Um, I mean, I listened to Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, and all normal shit, too, but kind of came to that music pretty early on, and it seemed, I don't know, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but to me, like, looking at, like, the back of a Descendants album, where they're, like, standing in the back of a van wearing, like, dirty sweatpants, and obviously didn't have any money, but it didn't, like, occur to me that, like, you, like, you don't get money, you just get dirty sweatpants. And, and, like, you play small clubs, but I would go see bands like that and be like, this is fucking wild. Like, I want this. And anything above that didn't seem like a thing. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, big crap. Like, it was just like, no, you play Maxwell's in Hoboken, New Jersey to 200 people, 180 people, and you have fucking arrived. Like, this is the shit. Um, so I guess I always just wanted to be in a band with my friends. I think that's what I thought I wanted. And then somewhere early on, I kind of was like, oh, drummers are expendable. So try to get a little better than just good enough to be in a band. Yeah. Um, which I don't know if I ever achieved that. It doesn't matter because I'm here now and it is what it is. But um, yeah, so I guess it was a thing I knew I always wanted to do. And then as I got older, I also was like, I need to be doing other things. And that's when it got kind of like a little hairy. Because then I was, at that point, was, like, touring a lot and also trying to have a job. So, like, we were talking about in the car, like, when you pick me up and bring you over here. I mean, it was just got harder and harder. Because I was like, yeah, no, I need to have, like, an income. And, you know, like I said, you know, always did pretty good. I always found a way to make some money playing music. But it wasn't, like, as I got a little older, you know, like, edging up on, like, 30 and shit like that, it was like, this is not enough money. This is silly. Yeah. And that's when it was like warp speed to like, okay, I'm gonna like tour and I'm gonna work as full time as I can. And it got a little insane. Um, because I would like work six days a week, work doubles, four of those six days, and then that you know, and I would do that for like a month and then go on tour for a month and then come home and go right back to doing that. And it was like there was never a break. It was like really exhausting. Uh, but yeah, anyway, simple answer is like, yeah, that's kind of the story. It's like, yes, I think it was the thing I always wanted to do, but it gets convoluted as you start growing up and you're like, what the hell am I doing? Like, I'm working some crappy job so I can play music, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> what kind of jobs did you work? Oh, I mean, I worked at like a, my buddy's tattoo shop in Jersey and bar, bar jobs. Mm. In Florida, I just did like whatever. I, like, I don't even know. In Florida, I feel like I just found money. 
Like I would just find money. I I, I had like a pedicab job, bike job. Like I would like oh, ride yeah. a bike taxi. I feel yeah. like Florida's kind of like L.A. like that. There's so many weird gigs. weird yeah. ways to make yeah. money, especially because people are the the <coughs> cold isn't so much a factor. The what? The cold, like the weather. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know? more options. You yeah. Know, like, and then in Louisville, I did you know bars and restaurants and music, mostly, and. Um, and I've had like my fair share of humongous, like huge disasters along the way. That's for fucking sure. Like having houses that I bought burned down. Whoa. Yeah, I've had like cutting a finger off. What? Like, so many fucking. Yeah, like when I tell you, I'm like, yeah, I'm a little bit of a train wreck of a human being. Like, it's kind of amazing. How the fuck did you cut your finger off? I mean, I fell into a wood joiner and it didn't cut it off. It just grounded to nothing. Turned it into sawdust. It's wild. Yeah, my right index finger. <laughs> Holy you shit. Yeah, you don't really even notice it. Wow. That's yeah, fucked up, right? Actually, that kind of leads me to ask, uh, what happened recently with your teeth? Oh, I went to this uh, uh, hit yoga class. It was like a, so it was like a high-intensity training yoga class, which I'm usually fine with stuff like that. Uh, I guess I wasn't fine with it that day, and, um, I don't fucking know, like, I, I did the circuit with everybody, and was, they were just like, damn, sick, dude, I'm like, what do you mean, so you were just past all of us, like, I don't know what that means, I was just doing it, and, and anyway, at the end of the, like, the end of this, the session there, we sit down and meditate, and I was like, I gotta get some air, I walked outside to get some air, and then it started getting real weird, and then the next thing I knew, I was, like, laying on my face, and like falling all over the place, like passing out and like going unconscious. And then I woke up, my friend's girlfriend was like holding my head and I was just like bleeding out of my face and it was like my fucking hands were like stuck. And I was like, what is going on? Am I having a seizure? Like what the fuck is happening? Um, and she was like, no, 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 you're probably dehydrated or something. Sorry. That was great. Did he just fart or burp? <laughs> that was burp. <laughs> that was awesome. He's, he just chowed on some nasty ass food. He's been so fucking food. noisy. Yeah, he's he's a little asshole right now. I know. He wants attention. Yeah. But yeah, um, that, that's insane. Yeah, I, I just fell over on my face and it knocked all my, locked like the right side of my teeth loose. And then I went to a dentist and they were just like, yo, your mouth's fucked. And then literally like, then COVID happened. And I was like, oh, I can't go anywhere. Wow. My plan was to go to like either Costa Rica or Hungary because they have just better dentists and more affordable and the work that I could get done in the States for the very, very large lofty sum is like shit work. Yeah. And in Costa Rica for about the same price, it's like the best thing you can get. And then in Hungary, it's like way less than all of that and it's the best shit you can get. So hopefully that'll work out. Yeah, and like my friends were like, we gotta put a fundraiser together. Like it's too much money. Like you can't hang with that. These are expensive. Yeah, I mean like, for shit work they wanted like forty five thousand here in the states, and I was like, well, that's a lot of money. That's a huge amount of money. Um, and uh, so anyway, yeah, I got into like a, a, this dentist in Hungary actually found me and was like, he found me on Instagram. He was like, oh, I saw your fundraiser. He's like, that treatment plan sucks. He's like. You know, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to write up a treatment plan for you and at least help you decide what you should do, you know, and, like, figure this out. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, and and then, you know, 
we got to talking about it, and and I've, I've been dealing with like dental issues for a long time. The other things that happen when you spend your life chasing music, yeah, your health is not always the best. Yeah, which sometimes is scary because it can catch up, and then you're dealing with problems that if you just kind of were aware about earlier, it wouldn't really be so much of an issue. Yeah, but. Well, you know, it's more like you're aware of them, but you're like, how do I treat take them? care of them? Because it, it's stuff just costs a lot of money. And yeah. there's only so much of it to go around. Um, I'm okay. My health isn't terrible. It's not, I, I'm not trying to paint a terrible picture. Like, my health is okay. Like, I can run five miles if I want to. I can lift weights and stuff and to do the yoga. I don't know. It was like a freak thing when I walked out of that yoga class. It was winter. It was really hot. I went way too hard. And I stopped doing stuff like that a long time ago because I was trying to, like, calm myself down and not always be doing, like, anaerobic exercise, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It just became to be, it got to be, like, too nuts because that was my whole thing. Ride a bike real fast. Climb real fast. Run real fast. Play drums real fast. Everything was, like, you know, like, like, hyperactive. And yeah. I couldn't, like, slow it down and, like, get control of what I was doing after a while. Yeah, no, that's good. You gotta, gotta go to the other side of the spectrum. Yeah, so I started, you know, I, I spent a, long, a longer time working on, like, like slower heart rate exercises and even playing drums slower, like, all that kind of stuff, and, um, I don't know, I just went too hard. I went too hard, I walked outside, I wanted to get some air, I think it was too cold, and it, like, shocked me, and then I walked back inside and was like, oh, shit, what is happening? And then the next thing I know, I was, like, fucking falling down on my face. It literally felt like I got hit by a truck when I woke up, too. I was like... Oh my God! I was like, who punched me in my ass cheek? Like it was so weird. It's like, what's wrong with my ass cheek and my left shoulder? I f like fucking felt like I got hit by a car. It was fucking wild. It didn't help that like, I still have a scar from it too. Like my tooth like went through my lip and shit. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Strange shit that happens. Anyway, yeah, that's what happened with the teeth. That was uh, November maybe, December? No. My bad, that was in January or February. Yeah, that was the beginning of the year. Yeah. Shit, we're already in June, right? <laughs> yeah. It's almost, yeah. I don't know. I haven't even really kind of kept track of time at this point. Yeah. It's like, in fact, May completely just went by. Mm -hmm. It was like Cinco de Mayo, and then, oh, now it's Memorial Day weekend. Weird. But. Yeah. So, so when did you kind of feel at your point in your career you were finally getting somewhere? palpable or like you actually felt okay wow I'm, I'm really starting to get where I want to there's been like multiple moments of that when I started playing for sleigh bells I was like oh shit this is like real you know um but you know that kind of did its thing um I think after sleigh bells I was like I'm done like I don't do this anymore at all like I don't care not that I don't care I was like I just need to do different why is that? Do you think? I just wanted to, I wanted like stability. Mm -hmm. I wanted to have, I wanted to know where money was coming from all the time. I didn't like, I just got tired. It's just tiring. I don't want to like be at the restaurant and on tour and at a bar and like, and hustling. I just wanted like a thing. So that didn't end. I'm still with Sleigh Bells. Um, we just did, me and Alexis just did that cover song. And, uh, you know, when they're ready to work again, and it's part of the tour, I'll play drums for them. 
they just kind of like to keep the freedom to be like, hey, we're just going to do like, there's like different lineups now. Like it could be like two guitars, vocals, backing tracks. It could be like one guitar, vocals, drums, backing tracks. Uh, keyboard player, maybe, or like horns, you know, like they just like to, so I'm their guy, you know, I'm down. Whenever they're ready to go, I'm ready to go. And there, there was definitely some talks of maybe doing some things pretty soon. It just depends on what the situation is, you know, in the outside world. Um, yeah. So let's see. When that when I say ended, I just meant that like they weren't gonna be. I wasn't gonna be playing drums with them for a little while, and I was like, "Fuck, like, what do I, you know, what am I gonna do?" So I just I got a job. I just started bartending at this bar, and that was cool. You know, it was good money. It was fun. It was with friends, and then that ended, and I took a little break because I was like, "I don't know what to do." And then Ben from Converge, Utoid man, he. You know, he's a pretty active guy. Like he's got a lot of projects. You know, between the like, Killer Be Killed, Converge, Mutoid Man, All Pigs Must Die, and whatever else comes his way, that you know he wants to do. You know, I th his schedule started getting kind of messed up, and he started to ask, like, just out of the blue, be like, "I need you to do this tour." You know, well, what's up? What are you doing? I'm like, I'm, I still smoke cigarettes at the time. Like I'm just sitting on my steps smoking. What do you need? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I need you to like do this tour, like starting in like two days. And I'm like, okay, I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta go practice. Um, so I'm thinking that, and then Where Your Wounds was really active. That's my my actual band with um, Jake uh, Bannon and Sean Martin and Adam McGrath and Mike McKenzie, uh, which Jake plays in, in Convert with Ben and Adams and Caven and Sean's and, like Twitching Tongues and like wasn't Hatebreed and a million other bands and then Mike is Red Cord and Night and Throne and now Umbra uh, Vite, which is also it's like it's like the same people in like 17 different bands yeah um, but that's like a lot of metaphor bands that's so it's weird. like all of the bands yeah, so it's you got all of the band, all of the East Coast bands went and started other bands with other guys from other East Coast bands of all different age groups and like eras of, of all of that. The best part is that like Jake's been in Converge through all of it. <laughs> he's been the guy, like he's like, yeah, my band's still going. I've been around for all of these eras. Um, it, which is great though, that's like they're the best like mutant family ever. So, so I started doing filling stuff for Ben. And then that made for a busy year because it was Mutoid Man for like all of January and February and then May and then Where Your Wounds, this is all last year, and then Where Your Wounds went out for like a good month and a half, two months. We did like a month or so solo and then we went back out with Torch and did like a couple weeks with them. And then I was that last year? That was last year, and then the High on Fire thing popped up. So it was actually a pretty interesting year. So I was like, oh shit, I like played the Mutoid Man, Warrior Wounds, and High on Fire this year. Uh, and this year was, you know, this year could be could have been a pretty sick year too. Um, anyway, I don't remember what the question was. That was <laughs> last year, and that was what I was doing. I don't know. No, I, you you basically answered it. How how did the High High on Fire? How did that happen? Like, was it just kind of a random thing? Or was it... Oh, uh... Well... No... I mean, yeah, I guess it was. I wasn't really... I mean, 
I'm friends with those guys. We toured together in 2007 or 2008 or something like that. And uh, I've known Jeff. Me and Jeff, the bass player, we didn't really know each other until we toured together. But um, he and I had played in bands with... We at different times played in bands with the same people. Like I was in a band called Goodbye Harry in like 1995 or 96. 96. And when that ended for me, the guitar player of that band ended up starting a band called Wretch Like Me and Jeff played in Wretch Like Me. I think before he played in Zeke. So me and him had this link, which was super weird to me because it was like so random. And I didn't know that he played in Wretch Like Me, which is even weirder they were a band that was part of like the Descendants camp, uh, the All Camp. Anyway, um, so fast forward, I guess whatever happened with with Dez not wanting to play anymore. Friends, just like Ben, but they converged Ben and Nick from New Toy Man and like some other friends just kept kind of like texting me, being like, "Hey man, what are you doing? Why aren't you in there? Like." Why don't you go play in High on Fire? And I, I was kind of like, that's not up to me. And they didn't ask me to. What do you mean? Um, so at some point, I think, I think one of them like texted me, and it was just like, all right, whatever. I'll just message Jeff and, and see what's up. So I just, I just messaged him. I was like, hey man, you know, I'm sure you're busy. I'm sure you got a drummer and or have a long list of guys that are like ready and willing, but. If you want, you know, I'm around. If you want, I'd love to give it a shot, you know. And if not, that's cool, too. It's like very, like, innocent, just gentle, like, hey, I'm around, you know. And then Jeff was like, shit, I figured you were busy. Like, you know, not available. And I'm like, no, I'm available to do whatever, you know. And, uh, and then a handful of weeks later, maybe a couple months later, he, he messaged me out of the blue. And it was like, hey, Jeff, what's up? And he's like, can I call you? And he gave me a holler. And... You know, we just got to talking, and and and, uh, and they had a tour coming up, and I was like, "Well, I can do that." You know, that shouldn't be hard. You know, I shouldn't say it shouldn't be hard. I was like, I should go and start learning things like now. I need a set list and songs, and I gotta go practice because that's a whole, it's a whole language. Yeah. The way Hound Fire does things is they definitely. Yes, it's like combinations of eighth notes, sixteenth notes, quarter note triplets, and triplets, and sixteenth note triplets, but they definitely have a way of arranging their songs that's unique, and they have a way of using triplets that are unique, and Des has definitely a, a way of playing that is very much Des. Um, so yeah, that's how that came about, and it was, you know, it was hard, man, like, learning those songs, like, I always, you know, you're kind of like a broken record when I talk about it, but I kind of wish I had documented it, too, because, you know, it's one thing, like, learning, like, Mutoid Man stuff is, is complicated, you know? There's some odd times, there's, like, odd, you know, odd measures, odd, odd time signatures, there's a lot of notes, um, but it was very logical to me, and the songs are short, so it'll be, like, mostly, like, here's your beat and then like you've got this crazy fill this crazy fill this crazy fill and then the end mm -hmm. that's how I would think of their songs and oddly enough like their stuff I just sat down and like started playing along with it immediately like I didn't even listen to the songs I would just be like I'd put it on let it play for like 40 seconds and be like okay cool and I'd start over and then immediately start playing along and then go back and 
be like, okay, there's like a weird thing here. And I did my best with that stuff to learn it literally note for note. Mostly because Ben's like my favorite drummer. And I'm like, well, why would I want to, I don't care about doing my own shit. Like, I just want to, he already did it. It's great. That's what I want to play. I want to play the stuff that he came up with. Um, so but High on Fire, though, was incredibly challenging. So, you know, Slay Bills was really challenging, too, because that was all the click of playing along with drum machines. And like we were talking about earlier, like, I didn't even play double bass drum back yeah. then. So that was like, cool, first gig, click, playing along to drum machines, note for note, and playing double bass drum. So that was challenging. And then, fast forward, and playing it on fire, and it's like, fuck, these songs are long. And they've got a very specific feel, and it's interesting, because it's like the first band that it's been like the difference of like two or three beats. You know, like, no, just slow it down a little bit, or just speed it up a little bit. And I would say that that is not one of my strong points. Like, if you say speed it up, I'm probably going to jump 20 to 30 beats, not three. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, even when I practice at home, I'll be like, cool, I'm practicing 170 BPM. And then I'll be like, cool, I want to go faster, and I'll put the metronome on 200. And like, I'm going a little faster. Like, we'll jump to 240. Like, it's not like, you know, like, 170, let's do like 174. Let's do 176. It's like, no, no. When I want to go slower. I'll be like, yeah, put it at 120. Yeah, well, sixty. Everything is like this major jump, like so. So that was a little different because that's something that you know I learned a lot playing with those guys because it's literally the difference of just like a couple beats. And you know, I you know we used a few songs. Uh, we used to click on a few songs live, like the first couple to like set the tone, so we didn't come out like like too aggressive, you know. And then a couple of the faster songs at the end of the set. So that was the other thing. The set was an hour and a half long. It's a long set. It was a very long set. And there's a lot of like seven and a half to nine minute songs in the set. And that was very new for me. So like one song might be like three trap room songs. Yeah. Or three and a half trap room songs, you know? Um, yes, yeah, so it was challenging, you know? And then a lot of weird double, a lot of weird double bass drum placement, you know, um, shit like that. After having the experience with High on Fire, would you say you still prefer playing shorter songs or you kind of like playing longer songs now? Hmm. I don't think I care so much about the playing part. Like, they can be long or they can be short. I think it's the learning. Like, I don't... I don't like learning long songs. I don't mind playing them once I learn them. I really enjoyed playing that set. Like, I would look forward to a lot of the songs. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Like, yeah. I mean, sure. I mean, I'm, you're there to play. So you get to play for seven minutes in one song. You know? It's kind of, kind of rad. <laughs> uh, you know, some of the, some of the songs like, High, like uh, Electric Messiah and shit were were pretty brutal and then like Fury would we were playing it faster so that would get pretty you know it was like very energetic yeah a lot of workout oh and I remember when we were <laughs> watching you at the uh shit where were we that was the region the region yeah we had a great view right behind <laughs> yeah and I, we kept just thinking, like who the fuck are these people I don't know what <laughs> back here I know I didn't care really but it was weird because it was like me and, like, my dorky friends, like, partying back there, and I was like, two people I've never seen before in my whole life. Just yeah. there. I was like, that's actually, 
while I was playing, it's like, it's fitting. It's cool. I was like, that's very fitting. Because there's just two strange people with my strange friends and my strange me playing yeah. drums. Yeah. This is awesome. And then we were laughing because I was like, I think that's bad. Yeah. And, and you were like, yeah, that is. Uh, and we started talking to them, and that was funny. They're the nicest people. Chris and Ben and Corey are like, so, like, they're just nice. If you talk to them, they're like, yeah, how you doing? That was, yeah. a, that was a huge show too. That was sold out. Oh, it was packed. Sold out fast. Mm. It was packed to the brim. The, it was great. Um, I was, the last time I saw it that packed was probably Dillinger Escape Plan. Oh, that, wow. that was another crazy fucking show. Toured with them with Coliseum in Australia. It blew my mind. Yeah, you know Billy, their drummer. He's he, he's like my neighbor. We grew up together. Yeah, you were telling me that. Yeah, he's one of my really close friends. He lives out here, right? No, he, he lives on Long Island. He well, it's funny because you were saying I reminded me he tried moving out here at one point and just could not figure his shit out and had a kind of freaked oh. out and went back to LA, uh, Long Island but uh, you know LA is not for everyone it, I think it can be overwhelming if you don't really feel like you have the right path or connection and you kind of just you get lost in it it's just like a concrete jungle but, yeah <laughs> Yeah, if you don't have friends out leave, here. But I mean, you know, like people think, oh, I'm going to make myself out in L.A. And then they come here and they can't figure out. And then they get frustrated and then they're just burning cash. And then they're like, I got to go back. Yeah, that's the big fear, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, right? For anybody. That's one of my, like, my, my few friends have been like, just get out here. Like, it'll fall on your lap if you know enough people. Just like, come jet skiing, dude. <laughs> dude, jet skiing is like life. Yeah, I've never been. I want to go. Yeah. You've never been? I'm getting a kayak tomorrow, though, so that's something. Yeah. Kayaks are sick. Yeah. Especially if you're Blow in the right kayak. place. Yeah, well, we're not, but kind of. We just got to make a try. Kayaking is fun. I used to do it a lot. In yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Really good. It gets a little oppressive, though, because you have to keep working yeah. from point A to point B. Yeah. It's not like jet skiing where you're like, I'm just going <laughs> to... Yeah, twist this, just like throttle. push the throttle and just hit a wave and go flying. You know, yeah. Did you crash the jet ski at all? Nah, we were in Marina Del Rey and I, I didn't get out far enough. But I think I broke the rules. I didn't know what I was doing really. Like mm-hmm. I just, I didn't know like how you're supposed to behave. Etiquette. Yeah, I didn't know anything about it. And I was just like, people were like looking at me. You know, like, Who's this jackass? Too fast, baby. <laughs> you had to like go like a tour or something. You just like, go like home? real slow until you get out. Oh, yeah. Into the ocean, and I wasn't. <laughs> no way. No. I mean, I was would like go like five miles an hour, and then I would punch it, and then I'd slow down because I'd see somebody looking at me in a boat, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay, I'm going too fast. Um, but yeah, California's scary that way. Um, I've never met uh, what's his name, Billy. Yeah. I've never met him. Um, I know Ben knows him, and uh, he's he seems like he's a really nice guy from what I gather, and he's like really stoked on. I think I watched like a drumio video with him once. I was like, "Oh, this dude's awesome. Yeah, he's fucking sick." Yeah, he's he's cool. He's, he's an interesting guy. I, his whole experience in Dillinger is it's pretty wild story. Like, oh, I can only imagine. I mean, we we toured together one time, and you know, I'm from Jersey, and some of them are still from Jersey. Ben, I think Ben was Ben still lives in Jersey, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's like one of those bands where the first time you see it, you're like, "Whoa, what in the world is happening right now?" playing that guitar part and your head walking they're fun to watch live they're <laughs> fucking insane yeah it, you know, it, jersey represent it's insane show i mean it's listening insane. to their records though back to back uh it can get a little bit it's a little bit it's a strobe light ear aching 
at points, but I mean they're 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 a cool band. I don't really listen to much of anything, really. Yeah, what do you listen to? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Laugh. I'm Just like, whatever you're working on. Yeah, I mean, my, I guess I listen to my friends' bands, mm-hmm. and I don't mean that in like a I'm too cool for music. I just don't really listen to it. Like, it, there's already a lot of music being played around anyway. Uh, occasionally, I'll go on like I'll bug out and you know maybe listen to some old hip hop or something like that. Uh, maybe like Nas or some shit. I like him, you know, but, but like, my, the music that friends will send me, you know, I still listen to Van Halen a little bit, it's always something I like, actually yesterday I was hanging out with some friends and we listened to some Van Halen, and it was awesome, but I don't listen to that much music, um, I'm always down to hear something, if somebody's like, hey, check this out, and I don't know if that's just a thing that happens to people in general, where at some point you're like, yeah, the sound, cool, yeah. I hear it, there it is, uh, but I'll get on like little kicks and be like, yeah, I, need, I need something, I need something like, weird and new. Yeah, well I think when music becomes a job, it, it almost, when you're not doing your job and you're not working on things, it's almost nice to just not listen to anything, just to kind of have quietude. I mean, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, do you listen to podcasts or anything? Yeah, I listened to, um, I started listening to No Agenda a little bit. Um, I like that, it's Adam Curry. Old fart. You better fucking listen to this. I will. <laughs> Just get it. Uh, my buddy at home keeps telling me to listen to these two, these two hardcore kids that are like in like Cincinnati or something that have a pretty awesome podcast. He says it's hilarious. It's just it's just these two dudes just talking shit on everything. <laughs> uh, I listen to Joe Rogan a little bit um, if there's something interesting. Like he has a lot of comedians on, and I don't think they're funny. Yeah. Unless it's somebody that I think is funny. He has a lot of comedians on. Yeah. I mean, he, he has some he cool. Has, po- guests once in a while like more entrepreneurs and yeah I like listening to those like motivational those like freaks basically where you're like mm-hmm. how, how does that work like, yeah. how are you how do you become you you know you're you're doing all this shit why didn't I think of that yeah why didn't <laughs> yeah. I think of anything <laughs> <laughs> no like David, the David I like listening to like the freaks like dudes like David Goggins like people that like are just wild they're just like animals like yeah. that were like if he's got like some crazy CIA person on, or like maybe like a cool doctor or something, um, sometimes I'll, I'll listen to behind, uh, beyond the, uh, uh, what is it called? Behind. Fuck. What is that one that I listen to? I like it a lot too. Um, something bastards. What's it called? Just give me a second. I gotta know. I, I'm. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Well, tell me what to listen to then, because I don't know anything. I was yeah. listening to Democracy Now for a little bit, and then I was like, "You suck." Oh, listen. that's my favorite. You like it? Oh, long, they're too long. <laughs> Every day. Dude, yeah. I was getting into it for a while, and then I was like, "You're just as slanted as everybody else. Get out of my ass." Yeah. But I get weird about the opposite way. Stuff. Yeah. What's that? But in the opposite way, it's not. A, it's usually not opinions that are that mainstream. It's you gotta really dig into it though, and it gets like, yeah. The more you know about the people running it, then you're like, Man. I listen to a lot of health ones. I like yeah. it still. Mm-hmm. But sorry, uh, Behind the Bastards. Behind the Bastards, okay. I like that one a lot. And I was listening to Stuff You Should Know. I, 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 I was doing that one a little bit. 30 for 30 sometimes, if it's like an interesting thing. Uh, I like that one. Um, and there's something else on here. 
Damn. Um, well, shit, I don't know where it went. But lately, it's just been just been no agenda. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm definitely an audio learner. I, I listen, I, I love listening, and I absorb information really well. And when I just, something's playing in my ears and I'm hearing people talk, I just tend to get the information and digest it really well. So I've become somewhat addicted to podcasts. I mean, mm-hmm. I try to listen to a couple a day if I can, if I'm driving. I mean, I'll, I love listening to music too, but I like to switch it up. Yeah. You know, because like you said, sometimes I, I, I don't necessarily want quiet all the time but if I'm driving or whatnot having knowing I'm learning information yeah kind of excites me yeah for sure <laughs> the same thing with like television or something if if a movie or a show is going on I, I like to think I'm making something out of it we watch Shark Tank a lot that's one thing that goes on sometimes because it's really cool seeing the entrepreneurs that go on the show and their success afterwards. I've, I've worked for a couple of different people on that show too. And mm. Actually, the last woman I had on the podcast, she, she was on that show and she has an algae company. <laughs> <laughs> I take her products. They're awesome. They're great. But Wait, what's the show called again? Uh, Shark Tank. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that. It's it's fun. It's fun. I mean, they're like investors, and then these entrepreneurs come on the show and pitch their idea. And yeah, oh, I know what the premise is. I just haven't seen it. Yeah, it's it's pretty entertaining, but you learn a lot from it. Yeah, you do. I mean, you, you try. Can, you try to. Or or you, yeah. you try you to go learn like how Mike. You become that. Yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. What did I think of that? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> you know, your dog is like little, but he's meaty. Yeah. yeah, he's, he's muscular. Yeah, he's, he's a, a hiker. Yeah, yeah, he's a meaty little guy. Yeah, he knows. He knows you're talking about him. I yes, did. I am. <laughs> yeah, like he's not a bony. He's not like this kind of dog. He's not like no, a yeah. wimpy little. No, he's a work dog. I mean, people forget that Yorkshire Terriers. They're actually not a toy breed. They are the smallest working terrier. What do they do? They hunt rats. They oh, used to. Or they yeah, used back to in, the day. in Yorktown. You're a rat hunter, huh? Yeah, he's, he's I've never weird. seen him catch anything. Nah, he's not. He's a little. He's a little gay boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got strong legs, buddy. He's hiked like twenty miles. Yeah, it's crazy. He's, he's great. He's, I mean, he's so it, strong. With a sweater on. With a sweater. Why are you cold, dude? <laughs> Why are you cold? So it's supposed to be cold. All right, back on topic. Curious question: What would you say was the hardest thing you've had to adapt to with this lifestyle? Being alive every day. <laughs> you mean like music lifestyle or Maggio lifestyle? Both. <laughs> What's the Maggio lifestyle? Train wreck. Trying to figure out how for Maggio lifestyle is like trying to stay in a lane yeah. and not have like a piano fall out of the sky <laughs> or a finger get cut off. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's to Joe shit. Music, you know, to, what do you mean? Like touring lifestyle is actually really easy because you're li- just in a bubble. Like Pre-COVID, yeah. When it's consistent, right? Well, when it's well, I don't know. I mean, there's been nothing consistent about my my career. I guess if you call it a career, you'd think about it like. Um, I mean, like Coliseum to trap them to sleigh bells to wear your wounds. Mutoid man to high on fire. They're like, I guess they all kind of relate, but not really. Yeah. A lot of variety. Yeah. They're all like louder, heavier. That's none of it's delicate music. 
Well, it's weird. Women's is a little more, has some delicate things happening there, but it's very simple, you know. It's, you don't overplay or do anything weird. Um, i trying to think adjusting to it. Well, I guess I was going to ask too, if you could have it, would, would you rather be in one consistent band or have the variety that you've had? Mm. But have them be somewhat consistent where you're, you know, you're still, you're, you're busy and, but you're in different bands or you're really persistent with just one. I think that depends on how the band is set up. Like I have friends bands that no matter what, like they just, they just cut through the bullshit, the business bullshit. And they're just like, everybody's an equal member. It doesn't matter who's doing a little more work at one moment or who's doing a little more work at another moment because they know that the band can't happen without those four members. Mm -hmm. So I think that would kind of depend on that and it would depend on the band. Um, the more versatile the band is within their confines of their limitations and their sound, I think the easier it is to just be in one band. Yeah. Um, in or, my situation, what were you going to say? No, I mean, just that kind of leads me, as far as like a hired gun versus would you rather be a hired gun doing multiple things or rather like a permanent member in a band that was consistent? Mm -hmm. Well, again, that would de depend on the band. Yeah. But I think... I think I, I mean I don't have you didn't give me the option but I think I would prefer to have or both both I would prefer it was up to me I mean if it was like a if I could have like a perfect musician life let me put it that way maybe it'll answer the question um, I could live somewhere like Long Los Angeles or that's somewhere that's like got a big entertainment industry mm -hmm. where there's a lot of work and I would have my band and have lots of other because I think the downfall of just being in a one band is you have to wait for that band to be able to put things out. So unless you're like, so this is coming from like a business, maybe financial side. You know, a band can only put out so much music, otherwise they're Ryan Adams. Yeah. You know, or they're Tool or whatever. I there's like some kind of joke. It's like Tool puts out a record every other week or something. But you're either so big that like you can have a year or two off in between to work on a new record after touring. You know, you tour a bunch and then you do one-off festivals and then you take a little time and you write a whole new record and you have a little vacation and then you start over again. Um, so I guess for me in a perfect world it would be like be a hired gun and have a band. That would be perfect because I like the challenge. Like I'm not somebody that's going to challenge themselves too much but as soon as the challenge comes up I'm like, well, it's like high, like high on fire, there was more 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 double bass drum and high on fire, song to song, than I'd ever played before. Yeah. Up to that point, so. So there was a challenge. Which and is nuts because you really <clears throat> made it seem effortlessly. How much How much time did you have to work for that? That gig. A month. One month. It's nuts. Month. Month. month or maybe like two weeks. Maybe like a month. That was a weird time because my personal life was a mess and 
Not like in like a very like weird way. Like I had a lot of changes. There's a lot of like darkness going on for me. And then I had to learn that stuff. And I had like two weeks to learn like seven songs. And I went out and met up with Jeff and Matt. And we did a, a rehearsal. And two rehearsals. And by the end of the second rehearsal, we were like playing like we were almost like we were band. Uh, and so I learned seven songs. And then I came home. I had to take a little break from it because it was like a song a day and then enough time to go through all those songs and then learn them more. Mm -hmm. um, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And then I had to come home and I had to learn like maybe nine or so more songs. So I'd say I had like a month and a half but nobody has a month and a half. You know. I, had, I did have other shit that I had to, had to deal with. You know. There was time that I couldn't practice. Um, but I took it very seriously. You know. I mean... I had, I had bought myself an interface, and actually Jeff lent me some mics, Jeff from my on fire, so I kept my drums mic'd up uh, while I was practicing, and I would record my practices. Yeah. And, because um, I mainly wanted to know if I at least had it good enough for it to be mixed. You know, that's where I was at when it was like, like, yeah, that, I figured I had enough time, and if I rec would record myself and listen back, I would know that, like, okay, this would be good enough for live. Like, it's good enough that it can be recorded in the studio and then, like, when cleaned up and mixed, that it would sound, like, awesome. I figured, like, that would be good enough for live. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And thank you for saying that I made that look effortless because I watched some of the videos and I thought I looked like I was ready to fucking, like, pop a hemorrhoid or something. Like, just, <laughs> like looking at the videos and I was like, dude, you're, what are you doing? Like, you just... I don't think I was like mauling the drum set, just especially at LA show. It was yeah, like, I mean, we were we were right like, there levitating, yeah. like <laughs> trying to hold myself up. Well, it didn't help that like the hardest song in the set physically is the last song. You know, like, hey. what was the last song? The Electric Messiah. Yeah, it's like the fastest one, Crazy. the most double bass drum in it. Yeah, I'm just probably physically and mentally exhausted. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It, I mean, it was great. It was just a lot of like, okay, we're gonna do this one. All right, last one. Yeah, one, two, three, four. Let's go, and then right into a lot of the old bass drum. Um, um, what were you talking about? Ah, uh, you now you pretty, you pretty much answered it. Oh, okay. I was it the band thing? Yeah, it was. It, you, I asked if you kind of prefer being more of a hard oh, or having the stability oh, yeah. of like being, but you said you kind of have both and that I, I would. Oh, you asked me how long I had to get, I think Mike asked me how long I had to get ready for that tour. Oh yeah, like a month ago. Yeah, the long, yeah. least amount of time I ever had to get ready for a tour was a new toy band tour. I had, I literally had a day and a half, which mean like a day and a half, meaning like it was one in the afternoon on a Sunday. And you were going to Europe? Saturday. No, that was like a short five days that I finished for them in the States. Ben get hurt or something like that? That was... Uh, no, he... Some, I don't really know what happened. He was just like, can you finish this tour for me? I have to get home. Damn. And I was like, okay, buddy, love you. Whatever you need, I'll just do it. Let's just go. It was kind of like a perfect intersection of, like, need and their location, I think, too. And, and we're friends, you know. Yeah, I mean... I, I, I also like to believe that he very much was like, no, just get Magic to do it. He's my friend. He can do it. He'll, he'll be fake me. Yeah. But I had like, it was like a Saturday at like two in the afternoon and then they were rolling in on, on Monday. 
to rehearse, and then we were going to play the first show Tuesday, so it was like, fuck, I, I don't know that I can cram any more songs into my brain. And I was nervous. I hadn't been playing drums at all. It had been like a year since I had played drums at that point. At all. Like, I even thought about them. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I have a habit of going into these, like, spots where I'm like, I don't want to look at these things. Yeah, that's why I think I would like it if I had, if I had, like, those challenges. Mm-hmm. So, like, the high on, like, last year was great because it was like, okay, learn mutoid, like, learn, wear your wounds, like, your own stuff, and then learn high on fire. So it was a lot, like you said, you know, I like to learn too and that's one of the fun parts of music is like learning somebody else's music can be super challenging yeah you're learning how to be somebody else yeah absolutely you know now it's just a matter of I can remember who I am when I play drums because <sighs> I don't and it becomes like how do you put it I feel like you, you almost become a chameleon yeah you, you just adapt and you're learning and then you almost forget what it's like oh well what's my stuff yeah what's my are we going to write songs right? yeah that kind of thing yeah. Well, I, that's the thing, like, during this pandemic, like, it once or twice went, like, on Instagram Live, and, like, you know, people, not a lot, you know, but enough people would show up and be like, dude, play this song, Darker, Darker Handcrafts, and I'm like, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that is anymore. Play a song of Darker Instagram. Uh, fucking live. People are such assholes when you go live. Oh, Do this, yeah. do this, do this. Or, but the funny thing is, I like, play off her teacher, and I'm like, yes. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> I, will de- I will definitely arrange that for you. That sounds like a great idea. But my point is that, like, the Trapped in Darker Handcraft record was probably, like, the most... Requested? No, no, that's, like, the most version of what, like, how I maybe played at one time. You know, that, yeah, like, where I just... Like my favorite record, one of my favorite records of all time, man. I love really? That. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Thanks, me too. Fuck yeah. Man. I listen to it. As a <laughs> I can fan. tell, man. I can tell. Man. I listen to it like I didn't play on it. Like oh, I still, God. I'll hear it and be like, "This is cool. This is well, good evil. job, whoever yeah. you guys are." <laughs> Actually, me and Ben were talking about yesterday. Where I, I was, like, he, he was like, "I got in his car and he was like, listen to a trap.' Then I was like, "Do you normally listen to a trap?" And he's like, "Sometimes." <laughs> and I was like. This is crazy sounding. And then I was just having a conversation with him. I was like, if I listen to like Hear Converge or Trap Them or bands like that, I'm like, this music is insane. Like I hear it and I'm like, how is this possible? Like, how is it possible that humans are playing this yeah, shit? Yeah. yeah, I mean, his drum parts, I'm just like, that's not. And then to think about it, like, I played that? And I'm like, I could never play that. How is that fucking possible? There's like flams on top of flams in spots where there's not supposed to be flams. Like it's there's so much shit in that record where I'm like, why did I do that? And I don't even remember why. <laughs> do you ever attempt to go back and play some of that, or you just kind of? I like, should. Yeah. I should because I'd really like to go back to pl- and get good at playing because I wasn't good at playing it back then, in my opinion. Like I didn't have control of it. It was like, it was a lot of like necessity and ego Mm -hmm. and so it would be cool to go back and play it as music now and be like wow you you did some neat shit like you were inspired or whatever it was now go be able to like play it because I watched there's a few I don't have like not like a YouTube drum cover guy like people people don't 
do that with any, most of the music I've played, but there's a few people that did it and did some songs off that record, and I watched them play it, and was like, that looks like it's fun when you do it like that. Because for me, it was like backbreaking, you know? Yeah. Especially all that, like, single kick, double bass drum, floor tom stuff with moving around like this yeah. <laughs> deal or whatever yeah. I was doing. Yeah, like, that was really exhausting. It would hurt a lot. And then just, like, laying in your ride, like, every fucking night. Oh, like, yeah, smashing stuff, like, being totally. a wild animal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but that's, that's a, it's a thing, like, doing the community thing. But, it's cool, because I never thought, so, you know, going back to that question earlier, like, did you always know you wanted to do this? There was a part, I never thought when I was younger, <coughs> that there might be an industry where you don't have to be, like, able to play, like, funk and, and jazz, like, well, to get hired to do, like, I never thought that our kind of music would be like, we need a guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I never thought ever I just, that that would actually be a thing. Like, the circle jerks would be getting back together. And be like, yeah. we need a dude. Yeah. Like, we're, our drummer doesn't do this anymore. You know, or like, that your friends' bands would get big enough that you are part of a thing where it's not, it's not, you know, Guns N' Roses, you know, but they still, you can still do it and there's some money there for you and, it's cool. I just never thought there would be like an, an, an in there. It's like an industry inside of an industry yeah. that has nothing to do with that industry yeah. at all. If you think about it, like, yeah. like does the underground like heavy music scene that's really not that underground? It's kind of like as big as a lot of music scenes, but has nothing to do with seemingly nothing to do with the mainstream music world. If you think about it, like, just like whatever, like think of like Converge or High on Fire or like. They really have nothing to do with any of that. The power trip. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, I feel like High on Fire kind of broke that barrier a little bit with getting a Grammy. Yeah, I guess you're right. Somewhat. But still. I mean, that's but it's like, like extreme, you know? Yeah, but I mean, that's like a pretty cool thing to happen. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, yeah, finally just breaking that a little bit. We, we, we feel like that with the sludge scene, too. Like the whole, like, doom. There's, there's a bunch of underground kids that are, like, Prevalent, you know, it's mm-hmm. yeah. kids go to shows. Yeah, that tripped me out when I moved to LA was that seeing like young high school kids, like high school kids right now, like they're wearing down black them. flag shirts. Oh, yeah, like, do I was, they? Yeah, I feel like black flag is like it, cosmic, like yeah. it's it's. I don't think people will even listen to them. They just, it's a shirt. It's the bars. Yeah. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> it's I've just iconic. No, there's, there's, these, there's, kids are, these kids are actually listening. Oh, yeah. There's like, like a DIY, flag, DIY, like, DIY scenes here, backyard parties. Yeah. Yo, it's back. Yeah. I've heard that it was back for like the Screamo thing. Like those kids took it back and like went back to like the original Screamo scene where they're like very no, it's, serious it's, about it. It's a lot, it's a lot of that like vintage retro throwback stuff. Like Power Trip. I mean, Power Trip does definitely has their own sound, their own unique sound, but it's a lot of a throwback to older music, and that's what I've seen a lot of it here. Yeah. Huh. Well, I mean, that makes me happy, uh, just because they're one of my... I mean, I grew up with it. Yeah, that was, like I said earlier, the Descendants and uh, the Descendants and Black Flag were like, that's it to me. I was like, I mean, I loved a lot of other stuff, but I was like, I mean, shit, that band Goodbye Harriet... 
that I played in was one of the singers of all, which was the Descendants Without Milo, and we put a record out on Cruise Records, which was a subsidiary of SST. So I was like 19 and I did that, and I was like, holy fuck, bro. Like, I was like, to me, that was it. I had like arrived. I was like, it doesn't get any better. <laughs> I got to put a record out on Greg Ginn's record label. Yeah. And then I had to buy that record in Tower Records. That's a pretty big point. also very strange. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it means it didn't all really work, all, all work out all that well. It was my first lesson in like what it <laughs> means to be in a punk or hardcore band. Like Greg Ginn's label? Like, yeah. <laughs> or any label, really. Like, you yeah. might end up buying it at Tower Records, which yeah. then you fast forward and there are no more Tower Records yeah, or record right. stores, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are record stores. There's lots of them. But that's amazing. Yeah, that, I'm stoked to hear that. They're, they're, uh, that people, I mean, I guess I always, I guess people always like Black Flag. But I, like, love Black Flag. Like it, Bill Stevenson? Favorite drummer? Yeah, has to be right. Descendants too. Doesn't get any better than Bill. Slip it in record. I love that record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But Bill with the Descendants and all is the best mm. for me. Like, that's actually something when I was a kid I couldn't understand. I would listen to the Black Flag record and like listen to My War and be like, why is he dropping a stick in the middle of doing 16th notes on a hi hat mm-hmm. in the middle of the beginning of the song? It's like, why is he? Because he'll do the same shit on a Descendants record, and it's like faster and tighter yeah. and perfect yeah. just the best you know god I played along with those records note for note so much so that I met Stefan once and he was like hey, hey Chris Maggio what's up man I know who you are he's like yeah I've heard you could buy Harry Records and he's like so you did some cool shit he's like there's a lot of guys that like Bill but nobody ever picked up on that one little quick 16th note that he likes to throw in after the snare drum I'm like oh you mean the little thing he's like yeah no one ever catches that it's like you put your time in or whatever he said something like that that's cool yes (laughs) I spent a lot of time with those records trying to trying to sound like Bill I wanted that real bad until you realize you're never gonna a, I'm like 135 pounds soaking wet and five foot six, and he's probably like six foot one and fucking 275 pounds. Total different physical approach. It's never gonna work. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. a big dude and he's a powerful dude and he's just got a sound that he gets out of his drums, you know, and that's it. You know. Uh, but yeah, all I probably could sit down and play Myage from beginning to end. Like that's some of the only music I could probably play from memory, like without even. This wouldn't matter. Just yeah. practice that shit. Because I always wanted those fast rolls. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to be able to like, do the surf beat on a snare drum uh, at like a billion miles an hour. You know, like I would practice those ascending songs and I would get a, a metronome out and I'd be like, I want to be able to do that at like 240 BPM. I saw them in Spokane, Washington, <coughs> hole in the wall place, wow, like three years ago. It was good. Descendants? Yeah. That's when Felly too. He uh, actually it was it was two years less than two years ago. But Felly walked twenty miles. That day. Whoa! That's why you got sense. such big legs. Yeah. It's punk rocker. It's pretty funny. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, guy. Bill. Let's see. Should we talk about that? Like, who are like drummers that I like a lot? Yeah. yeah sure. Bill always always Bill. Uh, Smelly from No No Effects. I, I like easy, mostly easy stuff, but great. Like I love that. Always love that band. Derek, I think the, the drummer from Lagwagon that passed away, and then the newer drummer in Lagwagon, I like him a lot. As far as like these, I mean, uh, these these kind of bands, Robo, because he played in the Misfits and he played Black Flag, and 
everything. Um, who else? Oh, uh, the first drummer from that band, the Slackers, from Brooklyn. Hmm. Liked him a real lot. Like, really weird, sloppy, but sick. Awesome. The drummer, I don't know his name, the drummer from, the Hep, from Hepcat. Uh, they're like third wave band. I like that guy a lot. And uh, uh, Joe Morello. I got to take some drum lessons with him for a while. Like I really liked how he played. But that's like, Joe is like an unattainable level of playing. It's like some other different thing. Um, Tony Royster, which I don't necessarily know that I've listened to any music he played, but he's like a drum, you know, superpower that I, I, I get a kick out of watching him play. There's something... There's something like really like powerful about it, but also like uh, no ego. I, I mean, I'm sure he's got an ego. Everybody's got an ego, but it's like he's just doing it. He loves yeah. it. Uh, like Jojo Meyer a lot. Mm-hmm. So like from these like these kind of guys, you know. Yeah. Non. They all play in bands, but you know what I mean. Yeah. They're guys that have like a huge chops. Yeah. Chops. Like a huge yeah. They write a lot of books and whatnot too. Jojo. He's got books? Yeah, I think he's he's written one book. He's he's done he does a lot of videos too, like tutorial videos. Mm. His his uh his technique video is sick. Like Tommy Igo, all like those. I studied with Tommy's dad. Really? Yeah, for like a year or so. I did rudiments. I kinda learned how to play like read music. I guess if I ever learned how to read music, his Sonny Igo taught me. They don't think he liked me. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I'm like a tweaker, you know, I'm like a like, like brain damage or something. Hmm. I mean, I shouldn't talk bad about myself, but I, I'm just, like, difficult, you know, like, you ever, so this is, like, you know when you do something and you already, already get, like, an idea about how it's done or what it is in your head and then someone tries to explain it to you a different way that doesn't agree with that? You've already got yes. an opinion or an, an, an idea formulated about what it is, so it's like if if you think that this is blue and I'm like, it's fucking black. Like, it's going to be really hard yeah. to unwind that. And that's what... I already been playing drums in the wrong way. I shouldn't say the wrong way, but I've been just forcing it out for a while. Yeah. By the time I went to see Sonny. Like, your technique, in a way. Technique, there was none. It was like... Style. It was like, lock your whole body out and cram yourself into your snare drum and go fast. Yeah, it's like it was literally like a hunch over and be like, you know, like tense up everything. We've talked about this a lot too. So sometimes when we're in the same room and we're trying to go over stuff, he'll say, "Why do you do it like that?" I'm like, I, "It's just how my body does it, and it, I have to kind of take a step back and really think about doing something a different way because your body just kind of automatically jumps to do it because you're so used to doing it. I mean, it's just." I would say, I don't want to say stubbornness or like you're fixed, but it just becomes muscle memory. Mm. You know? I mean, that's why too, like, like we're learning the double bass. Going super slow and steady and just making that foundation, just like forming that muscle memory. Mm. And then just gradually going faster and faster and building and adding and, yeah, but... Yeah, I mean, you, you shouldn't bash yourself that much. <laughs> oh, I mean, you know, we just you just know? know. I was 19 at the time. Or yeah. 17, actually. Maybe 18. And I was coming from playing punk rock, and this was like a big band drummer. You know? Yeah. So there was just like a lot of like... I think just clashing of, of 
just a way of playing music too. I mean, like someone with a jazz background is going to have a completely different approach to even holding the stick to yeah. someone that has a funk or classic rock style. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. So, it doesn't have to be though. I mean, technique is technique. You just get good, better and better at being loose, you know, if you can. Yeah. Like on a good day, I'm, if I'm loosened up, you know, drums are like, it's like a joke. You just do whatever I want. Yeah. Any speed, it seems like. But, you know, like you said earlier too, you kind of, I kind of, I kind of now know, like I always have to ease into it. Like warming up is like, can take me an hour or two. Yeah. To like really be like chill. So back to Vinny Kaliuta is another guy. Like anytime I see anything with Vinny, like it keeps popping up on my Facebook feed. Like he's, he's doing some stuff with Jeff Beck and Johnny Depp. Wow. Like the Jeff Beck group is now like Johnny Depp singing and Vinny Kaliuta on drums. <laughs> And the first time it popped up, I was like, whoa. Because just Vinny's shit is just the sound of his drums. Wait. Everything about it, it's like, that's what I want to do. I want to play like that. It's fucking, dude, sick. He's real cool. It's like like all the normal guys. I like Bill Bruford on Close to the Edge. Yes, <clears throat> that's a record I really like. Um, he's awesome. Um, who else? There's so many. Jeez. Um, oh, Mickey D. Played with King Diamond. Love how that guy plays. Uh, he also played Motorhead, I guess. Yeah. I love that dude. Uh, Do you like Opeth? You know, I've heard them, but I don't listen to them enough, or I haven't heard them enough to say that I, I like them or don't like them. Their drummer's awesome. Oh, Alex Van Halen. What's wrong with me? I love him. Like, he's... I think he's phenomenal. Like, it's like super tasteful, never overdone, lots of weird note placement. He's like the king of like, that was a weird fill. Like, listen to Panama and why are the symbols where they are in the drum fill parts? The parts are like, the yeah. whole fill in the beginning of that, it's like, what are you doing? There's just like cymbal hits, like, and it doesn't make it sound like it's overdubbed. And then, like, songs like All Wait, where he does a half of a measure of fill and stops and lets the bass finish it. Like, just does weird, simple, simple, really musical things. Love him. Um, I don't know, who else? Oh, Sean Reinhardt, who played in Cynic. I like how that guy plays a lot. Derek Roddy's really sick as well. He's another Florida guy. Um, I think Sean Reinhardt might have played on the really weird death record, too. There's like one death record. I'm not like a huge death metal fan. He just passed, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he just died yeah. from what I know. And that fucking sucks, that yeah. dude. Oh, Elvis's drummer? DJ something? I can't remember his name. That guy was really cool. I liked, I liked him a lot. Uh, I mean, like, I don't listen to a lot of Elvis, but... I had a buddy growing up that was obsessed with Elvis, and he he had got like an inheritance, so he would spend all of his money on records and recording gear and guitars, but mostly on records. And he got like this Elvis obsession, and he collected every single Elvis bootleg that he ever could find, and El especially the Vegas years, where Elvis did like two to three shows a day for like X amount of years. This motherfucker had. CDs, and he listened wow. to all of them. 
He listened to all of them. He had like hundreds of Elvis CDs. And he was like, you gotta come over and listen to this Elvis monologue. <laughs> and it'd be like Elvis calling Priscilla out in the crowd. And she'd be like with his karate instructor. And he would just embarrass them. It's like super fucked up, like weird shit. <laughs> like he was really into that. And that's really why he was buying all he wanted to listen to the weird monologues. <laughs> but on those CDs, the drumming was really, you know, the drummer was really cool. So I guess I like, like show drummers. Yeah. You know, I guess that's what you need to call those guys. Like, they do like Broadway and shit like that. Yeah, it's a lot of personality. It is, and there's a lot of playing up the song, lots of accents and little yeah. things and just energy. Kind of like how a lot of the gospel drummers play, I guess. Right? There's just a lot of like unnecessary filling, but it's not in the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like that was cool for no reason. Mm-hmm. Sick. But there is a reason. Yeah, you could do, you know the type of stuff where it's like you could put a cool embellishment here that feels good, but you could also not. But yeah, uh, I mean, I like Dez from High on Fire. I always thought he was great. Ben, my top, my, like, love of my life, Ben Kohler. <laughs> I mean, it, well, I always tell him, too. I'm like, if it wasn't for you, I probably wouldn't play drums anymore. So thank you. Because it's like, I'll, we'll talk on the phone or I'll hear him play and I'll be like, oh, yeah. That's, that's why. Okay, cool. Yeah, I got it. I'm back. I'm in it. Oh, Matt from Hatebreed. I like that guy a lot. Uh, not like I never was like a big Hatebreed fan, but I had some encounters with him uh, when I used to work at like a club in Florida doing like stage and work. He's a good drummer. He's a sick drummer. Yeah, like, he's I, fucking I, awesome. I like some of Hatebreed stuff. Uh, Braun, you know, you can't just you can't. He's great, you know, um, and he's an awesome weirdo, funny, great, great, just amazing. He's actually like a superhuman. That Mutoid Man tour with Mastodon, I was like, that's a musician that's above and beyond. Yeah. I was like, just amazed, you know, like, I had seen him play before, but, like, watching him, like, like often at shows and just being like, wow, he, he cares. Yeah. You must practice. <laughs> You've got to practice to be that good. Like, you can't, you can't just sit down and do that. Whether it just be like thinking about the music a lot and remembering your parts or running through the motions slowly a lot. And singing. And singing. I didn't even go there. Yeah. So, but yeah. God, there's so many, you know, Bonham. Who else? I'm not a drummer. There's so many, you know? (laughs) Of all people, fucking was Pat from Weezer. Oh, really? I love him. I love Weezer. First three records, and then there's always songs on all the records after that that I'm like, killer song. Mm -hmm. Killer song. Yeah. But he's a great drummer. I love him. Weezer. I actually learned a lot of fills from from him, from like P- uh, Pinkerton. It's like the record he actually did fills on. And I was like, oh, those are cool. Yeah, that, that's, that's a good album. Yeah. And the drumming on it's like still simple, but there's spots where it's like, oh, that was a fucking cool idea. It's super clean, but methodical. Mm-hmm. So I ever kind of, that's how I felt about Weezer. Yeah, they're, they're really clean, but. Oh, awesome. you know. Trying to think, is there anybody? There's so many. Oh, dude, fucking dude, I forgot. The first, the, the first drummer in Leeway, New York hardcore band from the '80s. They're like the first crossover. Often, I guess, for like those who knew about them, saying that they might have been like the first. They may have been a band that ushered in like an element of new metal, but they are not new metal. They are. They're like, you guys ever listen to them? No. Mm-hmm. 
No. Oh yeah, there's like no, there's no bands without them. Hmm. They're fucking sick. They're you, like, what is it? Leeway? Leeway? Yeah. The Born to Expire record. One of my, for how little music I guess I listen to, that is probably one of my all-time favorite records. It might have the heaviest like intro song ever written for any record ever. It's it's ignorant as fuck. It's so good. But the drummer on that record, for the time, I just like Charlie Benante, uh, you know, fucking Dave Lombardo, all of them, great. They're awesome. The drummer on this record, he sounds like a fucking drum machine. He's perfect. His drum sound is perfect. It's not like in a cave and all sloppy, like all those Anthrax records or those earlier Slayer records from the same era. I don't know how a band with no budget got the, a record to sound the way this record sounds. Like, you crank it up and it's like sounds like the bass drum is like pounding in a subwoofer. It's like, <sighs> it's huge and fucking just rips. Shit is awesome. It's awesome. I'll check that out. I don't know his name. Like, he's like kind of a dude like did a record and disappeared. Yeah. Um, that dude's sick. But yeah, that could go on and on. I, you know, who, you know. So, I meant to ask this before, and this is kind of more my own curiosity because we've kind of talked about this. But, but you, I know you, you joke and say like you're a train wreck, but. You you're more on the clean side, sober as far as yeah. I don't do any drugs. Or, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's. But you said you were a tweaker. <laughs> like when you refer to yourself like that, it makes you laugh. Cause I mean that's that's kind of a big accomplishment accomplishment in itself to work in the music industry. Oh. You know. I got clean twenty years ago. Um. What was before, that like? If you don't mind talking. Before about I that? ever really had much of a music career. Um, why? Why are you clean? Uh, well, I thought about it. <laughs> I weighed like 72 pounds and I was like homeless and malnourished and like dying. <laughs> so it was like, like <coughs> it was like you're gonna clean or die for real. <coughs> um, I had a really I had a really dark summer one year, and it ended like that. Um. But it was leading up to that because I was like messing around with drugs and when I was a kid. I think I started doing heroin like when I was like sixteen, um, and that quickly escalated into like injury and drug use, and then not like got clean for a little while, and then got back on it, you know. And uh, so it's not that hard, in my opinion, to stay off drugs. It's harder to live life and accept what life throws at you. I mean, in, in the time... So, when I say train wreck, it's more like... I used to joke with my friend Nicole and be like... Because she's like into like tarot and astrology and my mother does that kind of stuff. And I got like... You know, this... My grandma's an astrologist, by the way. So oh, I, yeah? I feel, I feel you. Yeah. So, I like woke up one day as like an adult, like clean, not long ago, and was like... I'm certain that I have like a demon following me or I'm possessed or something is wrong because I started like thinking about and this is like yeah yes I'm crazy okay whatever like I, I didn't necessarily believe it but I was like there's got to be an answer other than just like you know somebody would maybe say like well it's just you man you're just like they're just you're just out there and I'm like well not really like I, I it's just crazy shit happens like I didn't burn my house down while I was on tour that I just bought three weeks prior. Like, that isn't, how's that my fault? I wasn't there. You know what I mean? 
Uh, and I had to go to work. I mean, circumstance? I don't fucking know. Like, cutting your finger off, like, you know, half a year later. Just the fucking wild shit. Like, it's like, I look at it all and I'm like, so when I say I'm a fucking train wreck, it doesn't, I don't mean like, I'm not walking around like, doing like really fucked up shit. Yeah, you're not fucking up. Yeah, it's just, there's, it's like, it's just, it's like, sometimes I'm like, why is everything a disaster? Maybe that's a better word. Or why do these things happen to me? Yeah. What's the correlation? I mean, there's a lot of things, you know, I can look at it. I'm not stupid. I can look at it and be like, okay, like, no, that's like, you're stupid. Like, you, that's your fault. You know? Um, and then most things are circumstances. It's not a matter of fault or not fault. It's just, I have a very extreme thing. I don't know. It's not on purpose because I'm actually pretty calm and like try to not get like too wild, you know? And it, I just, I'm, I just am though, I guess. I, I don't know. You know, like... I'd be curious to look at your birth chart. You, I mean... It's yeah, anytime. <laughs> probably going to have to have it, but... Always. Uh, always. <laughs> Let's go. Like, anytime you want. Yeah. Any, anybody new who wants to take a look, you know, <laughs> feel free. You probably have uh, a lot of inner fire. Mm. You know, because I, I know I do. Like, I'm, I'm very composed. You have all your fingers still, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> but, That's my joke, is just like... I think sometimes, like, you know, in life, just controlling that fire, because the sense of losing control, that's when you really burn yourself. I mean, that's, I guess, my, I've always, I had to learn a sense of self-control really fast, because I realized that, wow, if I don't have control over myself, I'm not going to be able to control any circumstances in my life, and that, that really grew me up fast when I moved out to L.A., and you know, like I told you in the car, losing my license in New York for being a complete asshole oh, on my yeah. motorcycle. Like, yeah. that was me being complete impulsive and mm-hmm. not thinking about consequences. And, you know, and I realized, wow, okay, certain decisions I'm making are going to ruin my fucking life. And yeah. I have to change now, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to deal with wasting my money and having to go to court and do all this shit, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I was just curious because... I know. Oh, like, yeah, no, I, and I, I'm happy to, I, you know, that's like a big thing, you know, it's actually an important question because everybody here is a musician and there's a lot of other musicians and if people hear this, it's kind of like, hey, it's not that hard, but, but heavy partying only makes it harder. I mean, I guess if you've got an endless supply of money, you're Keith Richards and it's like you've got a handler and you maybe you can get away with doing that forever because you can maintain, but I couldn't. I wouldn't be able to, uh, and I actually don't understand how some people can go as long as they do, and it's fun. Yeah. And I'm like, how can you do that every night, and then, and then, um, and then play, you know, even halfway good, because I don't do any of that, and I'm like constantly just, how can I get like seven hours of sleep, and then maintain till the show, to be able to like play good and then mm-hmm. there's people that just are like whatever I just stay up all night and do coke mm-hmm. and then drink until like 8am and sleep 4 hours and then sound check and play the show and and you know like you're well it's just tour man no, not really yeah. is it just tour? <laughs> um 
It's not really. Actually, yeah, just tour. Not. That's your tour. Yeah. And it's... and I don't care if you're in tour mode. Like, I mean, I mean, doesn't matter how much tour mode I'm in. If I'm like drunk or on drugs, like I just don't think I'm gonna be able to do it. And, and I don't know because I haven't tried. Ever since I started touring heavily, I always was clean, and I was like, "That's cool. I'm gonna stay that way." Like I have a hard enough time as it is. Um, which it leads me to another my own little discussion, which is funny that any of you guys think that I'm even good because in my perspective I'm like this is just like hard work that never seems to have like I've never been satisfied with anything that I've done and I'm always like why is this not right like it's never right it always sounds wrong to me which sucks it'd be nice to be like that sounds fucking right and that's one of the cool things about being getting to play uh, in other people's bands and, and play their parts because I'm like it's right because I didn't do it <laughs> it's right and I heard it because they played it, so it's perfect. Because it's not me trying to go like, is that right? Is that what it was supposed to be there? Is that is that good? You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I got clean. I first time I got. Clean, I'll just tell. I'll give you the, the. I'll go back and I'll give you the brief thing. I got a drum set. I was already on drugs, so it was like a day late, a dollar short. Had I got a drum set, and I'm not blaming anybody. In my, for me, I'm like, if I had got a drum set like one year earlier, there's a good chance I, I may have never done any more than maybe like smoke some weed because I would have been like too wrapped up focus yeah um that's just what I think but it doesn't matter what I think because that's not what happened yeah uh so yeah I got a drum set and then like I was always it took me until like 2000 to like try to start getting like clean like somewhere after the goodbye Harry thing in like 96 I just gave up I tried to care, but I was like in like a very fast spiral of like pointlessness. I was just like, I don't care. This isn't working out. Um, so, and then when I got to Florida and I got clean, in about a year or so later, I was like, maybe I'll try playing drums again. And I got, I just found some guys, and I just bumped in. I went to some show. I I met some dude. He's like, oh, we're playing a show tomorrow. You, you seem like a cool guy. Why don't you come? And I went to the show, and I watched it, and I was like. You guys should let me play drums, and they were like, "Well, like, see what's up." And then the drum, the drummer was like, "Uh, I kind of want to play guitar anyway." And I was like, "Okay." And we weren't friends or anything, and we went and had a band practice, and it was they were like, "Oh, okay, we should probably do that. Let's do it." And it was great. It was like super fun. Those guys are still like family to me. We had a fucking blast together. Uh, but I got very like serious about it, and it was like, "Okay, okay." want to play drums in bands and so I guess one of the motivating factors to me was like of staying clean it makes it easier it was like this is more important than that mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah like your, your priorities come your into priorities play priorities come into play and yeah. you have something that you're like I would rather do this than that and this is for me to do this I can't be doing that and, yeah. and honestly after I got clean like I just it wasn't even a thought like you just don't think about it anymore yeah. like, I, I didn't I was just like this is not fun yeah. And I was having so much fucking fun. Like, think about some of the people. I'm like, sometimes I think about it. I'm like, I can't believe it. I'm like, friends with some of the people I'm friends with. And how, like, much fun I just have, like, getting the opportunity to be around them every now and then. Yeah. Some of my, like, favorite drummers and shit. And I'm like, this is so cool. You know, just that alone. Like, these, some, some of them that I, like, listen to, and I'll hear their bands and be like, sick which you know so we so yeah I guess there's a part of me that's like I have like a 
to be like a fan of your friend is like weird. It's cool, right? Yeah. It's different, right? That's. But yeah. I'm a fan of all of my friends, even the ones that don't play music. My best friend's a, a frame builder for bike makes bicycles, in his garage for himself. <laughs> I I'm think like his you're... biggest fan. I love him. <laughs> I'm like so like I can't. You're. You're but you I know what I mean I'm like I can't believe you. We played in a band together and you were like mentally retarded person. Like couldn't tie his own shoes. Was drunk and now you're like machining your own fucking bicycle frames in a garage by yourself for you for fun I think it's awesome though I mean because it's a sense that you're appreciating someone and valuing them and I, I think I, the reason I ask is because it's like when people are so caught up with partying and doing shit like they lose sense of what's actually genuine and pure in life like they forget what it's like to actually just enjoy time with another human being because they're so caught up on like trying to chase this feeling like because they're not comfortable within themselves, you know? Yeah. I mean, so it's just the fact that you can do that and work in the industry you do, it's that's awesome. A lot of people aren't able to do that. So, it's props to you. Yeah, thanks. Uh Well, yeah, I mean um I guess it is it's weird too that you got to think like think about the scene that I started I started playing in, you know, like Coliseum and like convert like the, none of those most of those bands are like all pretty street yeah yeah, yeah. I mean yeah like High and Fire dudes were known for like partying a bit but they're still they're just there after yeah. a while it becomes like that's what you're doing someone else is I'm not doing it you know it doesn't but I know what you mean it's it's still rough it's yeah. still rough it wears you out and then you want an escape and or something to make you feel better yeah. when you're exhausted well it's like if you're, you're strong willed and you have the mindset like okay you know this is a job I'm gonna be I'm gonna do my best I'm in this environment just because there's other people around me doing these things doesn't mean that I'm going to be influenced and mm -hmm. do that but some people aren't able to completely separate themselves you know as you see other people doing it and you're like oh well you know they're doing it I might as well yeah. might as well you know it's just that that's just a good example of having Integrity and just just self reliance. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, anybody can do it. I mean, I always used to say like one of the jokes in recovery was like, if you don't if you don't want to get drunk, don't pick up a drink. If you don't want to get high, don't pick up drugs. And yeah. if you like keep it that simple, it's kind of like, well, all right. If you're not hungry, don't eat. <laughs> yeah. If you are, eat. <laughs> you know, if you don't. You know what I mean? If you're tired, take a nap. Yeah, exactly. Just if you're tired, go to bed. Just listen to your body. Yeah, like, just don't do it. I know that seems like... <clears throat> um, I know that seems, like, oversimplistic, but if you really, like, don't complicate it, you're like, cool, everybody's gonna go party. Yeah, I'll go party my way. Like, people, like, my, used to make a joke and be like, oh, here, yo, you want you want a drink? And I'd be like, no, I don't drink, I party. It's funny to me, anyway. Like, I'm down to party. I just don't want to drink. Yeah. Like, why don't you drink? I'm like, because I party. Why do you drink? Because you don't party. Like, let's go fucking like blow some shit up, right? Break some windows, <laughs> smash some bottles, like whatever. Let's go wreck shit. Like this drinking thing is fucking for the birds. Let's do something like really fun. Let's get some explosives and like blow up a car or something. Yeah. If you want to like, you know, if you want to rush, let's like go get a rush. Let's fucking do something real. Yeah, like actually get your adrenaline pumping. Yeah, for real. It's like fucking hop in a car and drive like 150 miles an hour on the freeway or some shit or just whatever. Go like run down the train tracks and like hop train cars or like anything, you know. 
That was Florida life, and there was a lot of like chasing trains and like just staying out all night. Florida never ends. Yeah. That's one of the amazing things about Fort Lauderdale is like. Oh man, yeah. Bars close at four in the morning, and we'd all be there, and then it would be five in the morning, and they would be like walking the train tracks. You're like, let's go do something else. And I didn't even understand it either because I was like completely sober. Yeah. And we're like, let's go have a house party and like a huge bonfire. And yeah, let's just go on the beach. Or go on the beach or fucking go like throw rocks at trains that are riding by or whatever. Yeah, I, I love Florida. It's the best. It's a total weird beard place. Weird beard. It's the fucking weirdest. Key West? <laughs> you ever go there? Not only was... I'd never been to Key West. I was <sighs> in the go. Keys a little bit once. You gotta go. I... We... I, I've, I've spent a lot of time in Key West, and, like, that is a wacky fucking place. Yeah. Like, they have their own architecture. There's wild chickens just fucking walking around. It's the end of the it, world. It, it's crazy. It's, it's literally it the end of the world. Yeah, it well, is. not really the world, but, you know. Yeah. It's the end of America. Yeah, that, that the road. What is, I forgot the road, the, but it's the I, end. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, I've been down there to play some shows. There was a weird... So... There's this guy, Lowell. There's this whole like south like Miami hardcore scene and metal scene like like Ricky from Torch and his his brother and Jonathan Nunez so Ricky Smith and John Nunez and like all these kids they're like all these younger kids that like I mean I've known Ricky since he was 15 like he was playing this band Tunes for Bears but then he was also playing like some hardcore he was like already on the road touring at like 16 a lot like heavy touring uh-huh. And he would come home and his band Tunes for Bears to dance to would like play some shows and we would play shows together. And there was this guy Lowell and he had a, a band. Anyway, we were like started playing. My band was like this crappy like not a shame It was like this started out as like a rock band and then it turned into like kind of more like a legit punk rock band. And we got like very like fast and their singer was like wild like he would go mental like that dude had fun. He was like a like wild animal like he would just throw the mic and like run out. And, crowd and just put people in headlocks and like jump up and down with them. It was like a blast. I don't even know if we ever played a song. We just had fun. <laughs> and we would play shows with all these kids and they would have shows down in like the the first key. You know, not all the way down to Key West. But yeah. it's still like a two hour drive. Yeah. It's like Key Largo. Yeah. Too. And there's this whole scene like is there cavities from down there and then torches from down you know from just down down in the heat. Like, way out there, you know, like, fuck, so many bands, like, Eric's band, I can't, fuck, I'm forgetting all the, uh, Capsule, there were so many good bands, so these kids were, like, really talented, and I don't know why I went into that, we used to, that was, that was why, the only time I was down at the Keys was to play some shows, yeah. oh, and to go to this place, Coral Castles, which isn't really in the Keys, but it's, it's down there, which is, like, this weird coral compound? that, like, some little old man built in, like, the 20s out of, like, spoons and butter knives. What? And car leaf springs. It's very weird. When we're done with the podcast, you should look it up because it's very strange. <laughs> the story behind it is strange. The fact that it exists is strange. The fact that I'm talking about it is even more strange. And it exists in fucking Florida, of all places, and it makes it even weirder. There's all this mystical shit, like, where the story is like that where it was originally built was like on a uh, a magnetic like energy field mm-hmm. you know like earth's natural magnet like in a high point of that so yeah. he was poles a, yeah yeah and he was able to his coral is like really hard and very heavy and some of the shit that's there like supposedly he like moved it all by himself 
he was like four foot eight. He was a very tiny man. So they were like, and he had all these writings that were like these weird, like, uh, it was like physics kind of, like energy and stuff. It was very strange. <coughs> very strange shit. And supposedly, there were like accounts of people like, think, like trying to figure out how he did it and saying that they, he made like these like magnetic like energy fields and he would be able to lift the coral with these strange things that he made. I'm, I didn't make it up. It's, it's, <laughs> no, I believe you. You can find it on Google, and there's a lot of coral castles stuff, and it's the magic place in Florida, down in the Keys. And we would go down there a lot and just hang out. I, got, I gotta check that out. It's great. So, probably should uh, We're wrapping it. start wrapping this up, yeah, because this, this is talking for a while. It's awesome. But any, uh, any last kind of words or things you would want to say? You guys have kind of any questions? Yeah, what, I mean, it's like COVID now, but what, I know it's supposed to be a big year. What, what can we look forward to? Like more high and fire stuff? Said uh, Slay Bells is working on stuff. Well, I mean, I was... Going to play on Broadway? There was some stuff slotted, you know, um, for August, I think, or maybe. We, we, we were talking about trying to do some Weird Wound stuff in August. And then Slay Bells was... We were talking about seeing if it would work out to maybe be back out with them in September, maybe. Double duty. Yeah, I mean, High on Fire, we were supposed to be on our way to Europe right now. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not really sure. We're definitely talking about rehearsing and maybe try, like, messing around some riffs, cool. see how it feels, you know. Uh, like I said, we're just... Whatever's going on high on fire, like we're friends and we like to play together. That's good. And um, yeah, yeah. And I love. I can't wait to. Ju I just want the opportunity to try to play on some of those riffs and, and do some arranging with Jeff. Um, and mostly, I don't know what it is. Like I guess because me and Jeff played in bands, separate, different bands with similar members. Like we play really well together. Like it's super easy. If it's ever difficult, it's just difficult because of me, because I'm not calm. And he is very calm. Yeah. But, like, music language-wise, like, we can play together. Like, it's easy. Like, I've never locked in with a bass player as much as him. Like, all that double bass drum stuff in High on Fire, like, I'm wearing in-ears, and I have him in my in-ears. Yeah. And it's so locked in that I can't tell what is a bass drum and what's a bass. I'm just playing, and I'm like, I don't know what that sound is. I must wow. not be on with him. Like, I can't hear my bass drum can't hear the bass anymore. It was getting weird. Yeah. They would like cancel each other out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It took me a while and I'd be like, oh, we're on. I just, I can't hear anything. It's just, just cruising cool. along. Um, so that, I mean, maybe with any luck, maybe some, some more covers with two minutes to late night. I'd hope. I want to, I have some stuff I, I would like to still do that because it's been, that actually, I got to thank Jordan Olds for that because that was like a really positive thing for for a couple of reasons. One, well, one, it's it's great because it's like you don't know who you're going to be playing a song with. And then when you see it, and you're like, oh, shit, it's like a surprise. You don't see the edit until everybody sees it. And you're like, damn, that's fucking cool. It's really funny and fun. And seeing how, it, like, the Sleigh Bells one, like, I didn't know it was going to look like. And then I finally got it. You know, and I spent better part of a year and a half on the road with Alexis and Ryan from Poison the Well was in Sleigh Bells at the time. 
So we toured, we played together every night, but we played Sleigh Bell stuff. And now you got the three of us doing like our own version of a Guns N' Roses song at home alone separately, not knowing what it's going to sound like. That's cool. And then I get to see it and like, I'm just like, this is fucking awesome. You know, it's, it's just, and it happens fast. You know, it's not like writing a record with a band where you're like going to revise it and you're going to practice it and you're going to demo it and then maybe and this and that and you go to the studio and then it finally comes out like a year later. This is like, hey, we got to do four Van Halen songs. We have to have it done by Sunday night. I'm like, well, it's Sunday night. He's like, yeah, we got to have it done. Let's get it done. I'm like, okay, I guess it's Sunday night and I'll have it done tonight somehow. And then like four days later, he's like sending you a rough edit of like the mix, you know, with everybody on it. And then like, an edit of like everybody's video like together just to give you an idea so it's cool because it's there's a lot of positive elements and it's neat because it's fast you know it's a lot of instant gratification and I like it because I get to record myself alone I record my own drums for it and I can really put myself under the magnifying glass and and which I like and it's done though it's like that's it that's the take cool like that's the Guns N' Roses take that was sick because it was just one take. There's no editing. There's no nothing. Like, I just wrote a part and then practiced it a few times, and it's a seven-minute song, and I was like... And there's some tricky shit in there because I'm playing against the, a half-time click and doing double-time drum fills that are a little bit wacky. And, yeah. And, uh, so that was fun. But as far as more things to look forward to, hopefully hopefully some things pop up a lot. You know, I, I'm kind of, like, digging this, like, home recording thing. Um, and where I'm staying out here, my buddy's got, uh, he's got, uh, he's got a little portable interface, like eight channel interface and a mic pack. So if I do get around some drums and some shit comes up, I can, I have my computer and I can continue to try to get some takes of stuff, you know, do cool. some shit, you know, and I don't know, maybe I've thought about maybe trying to give like lessons in like a non-traditional way, more like hangout sessions where you work on stuff and maybe hand over things that you have that somebody wants. Yeah. Yeah. Because adults are generally pretty competent but maybe have things they want to work on that are... Now, maybe I have something somebody wants is what I mean. I don't really think that I'm like a... Some that... Like, I don't... It's not like that where I'm like, I'll teach you. It's just like, well, maybe I did some cool <laughs> shit you want to know about and I'll tell I'll you how... I'll teach you. I'm your teacher now. Because it's not like I don't think that like every I, see the coolest thing that's and that's a cool thing but you know having do it long enough and you, you start to open your eyes and be like that person doesn't know how to do a lick of what I do but like they know how to do what they do mm-hmm. and yeah. they got trade yeah it's yeah like seventh grade lunch yeah all over again yeah and they're good <laughs> but I thought about that maybe you know like. I don't really. I honestly really don't know. I I know I want to still do more music stuff, and it would be cool to have a lot of projects going on right now, and have output. Yeah. I guess a part of me, it's like I'd like to do some stuff that's not that much simpler, but a lot more stuff where it's fast. Mm -hmm. I don't mean playing fast, where it's just like, like let's just do it. Like stop. That'd be one thing. It'd be cool to to like that. I like about. I mean, I'd like to do a lot more projects that happen real quick. Kind of like the way it would have been when you were like 17 yeah. and you don't think that hard about it and you just do it yeah. and it's just a lot of like put it out piss and vinegar you know yeah. just like just fucking do it record it put it yeah. out who gives a fuck move on yeah. beating around the bush crap yeah yeah like and just let it be you know just do it 
so yeah, I don't know. Um, hopefully there's a little bit of touring happens later in the year, and I don't know, I'm out here maybe I bump into some people and they're like, oh yeah, we need somebody to do some shit. I don't know. Cool, It'd be fun. Right, right now I'm like committed to just being, like wherever I am is where I am. Yeah. I'm not home. I'm not, <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wherever, wherever you go, there you are. But that that's, that's when the most growth happens, when you put yourself in a somewhat uncomfortable environment or new you know and yeah. then like your ears that's you you challenge yourself you meet people yeah it's how you're gonna grow it's how you're gonna make it if you're just kind of sitting at home doing the same shit it's not really gonna yeah nothing's gonna it's not gonna progress so no unless you're really good at like networking online i guess <laughs> does that work yeah i mean i guess it does it, it does you know it, it's what you make of it i guess I, mean, I guess I still feel like people need to, um, I guess I still feel like people need to, like, meet you in, in person. To see oh, absolutely. To see that you're yeah. real and that you, to size you up. Yeah. Be like, oh, that's, they got it. Oh, they, for they sure. They do it, you know. I mean, having, hiding behind a monitor or a phone is completely different than being face-to-face with someone. Yeah. Just energetically, everything. Yeah. But, yeah. I think you're, uh, you made the right move coming out here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can say that for now. Listen, you prove. That's what people keep saying. It's like, that's good. Well, I'm yeah, happy yeah. you got to hang out and. Yeah, come play drums, one. whatever. Yeah. Thanks. I'd love to. Yeah, yeah, and you can go to the lockout too. I mean, like, That'd either you have multiple options, so. I have one pair of drumsticks with me and a pad. I'm getting some tomorrow. Yeah. I ran out. Actually, I left. It's funny. I left and I was down to my last pair of drumsticks. Really and I broke them. What do you use? Five bees. Like, yeah, I have a little good? endorsement. I endorse Vic Firth. So oh, cool. I use five bees and then, actually, I say I'll give my like endorsement plug. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Any plugs you want to? I play Zildjian cymbals and Vic Firth drumsticks and trick bass drum pedals and trick snare drums. And Yamaha drums that they don't want to give me an endorsement or talk to me, but I still play the <laughs> drums anyway for like the last 10 years. And they're fucking stellar. Oak Customs, no big deal. Powerhouse toms that ring forever. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, just five Bs. I used to use like extremes and all this yeah. other thing. Now I just use five Bs. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well,. Chris, thank you very much thank for you. hanging out and doing this podcast. Thank you, guys. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank this little muscly pup. <laughs> little needy little legs. <laughs> Bye, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Felicity Fueled podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please feel free to subscribe so you can stay in the loop. Thanks again for your support. I'll talk to you soon. Have a great day.